The French Revolution, A History by Thomas Carlyle Volume 2, The Constitution Book 5, Parliament First Chapter 2, The Book of the Law This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Peter Dan Book 5, Chapter 2, The Book of the Law if the august constituent assembly itself, fixing the regards of the universe, could, at the present distance of time and place, gain comparatively small attention from us, how much less can this poor legislative? It has its right side and its left, the less patriotic and the more, for aristocrats exist not here or now. It spouts and speaks, listens to reports, reads bills and laws, works in its vocation for a season. But the history of France, one finds, is seldom or never there. Unhappy legislative, what can history do with it, if not drop a tear over it, almost in silence? First of the two-year parliaments of France, which, if paper constitution and oft-repeated national oath could avail aught, were to follow in softly strong, indissoluble sequence while time ran. It had to vanish dolefully within one year, and there came no second like it. Alas, your biennial parliaments in endless, indissoluble sequence, they and all that constitutional fabric built with such explosive federation oaths and its topstone brought out with dancing and variegated radiance went to pieces like frail crockery in the crash of things. And already in eleven short months were in that limbo near the moon with the ghosts of other chimeras. There, except for rare specific purposes, let them rest in melancholy peace. On the whole, how unknown is a man to himself, or a public body of men to itself. Aesop's fly sat on the chariot wheel, exclaiming, What a dust I do raise! Great governors clad in purple with fusses and insignia are governed by their valets, by the pouting of their women and children, or in constitutional countries by the paragraphs of their able editors. Say not, I am this or that, I am doing this or that. For thou knowest it not, thou knowest only the name it as yet goes by. A purple Nebuchadnezzar rejoices to feel himself now verily emperor of this great Babylon which he has builded, and is a nondescript biped quadruped on the eve of a seven years' course of grazing. These 745 elected individuals doubt not, but they are the first biennial parliament come to govern France by parliamentary eloquence, and they are what? And they have come to do what? Things foolish and not wise. It is much lamented by many that this first biennial had no members of the old constituent in it, with their experience of parties and parliamentary tactics that such was their foolish self-denying law. Or surely old members of the constituent had been welcome to us here. But, on the other hand, what old or what new members of any constituent under the sun could have effectually profited? There are first biennial parliaments so postured as to be, in a sense, beyond wisdom, where wisdom and folly differ only in degree, and wreckage and dissolution are the appointed issue for both. Old constituents, your Barnaves, Lameths and the like, for whom a special gallery has been set apart where they may sit in honour and listen, 
are in the habit of sneering at these new legislators. But let not us. The poor 745, sent together by the active citizens of France, are what they could be, do what is fated them. That they are of patriot temper we can well understand. Aristocrat noblesse has fled over the marches, or sat brooding silent in their unburnt chateaus. Small prospect had they in primary electoral assemblies. What with flights to Varennes, what with days of poniards, with plot after plot, the people are left to themselves. The people must needs choose defenders of the people, such as can be had. Choosing, as they also will ever do, if not the ablest man, yet the man ablest to be chosen. Fervour of character, decided patriot constitutional feeling, these are qualities, but free utterance, mastership in tongue-fence, this is the quality of qualities. Accordingly, one finds, with little astonishment in this first biennial, that as many as 400 members are of the advocate or attorney species, men who can speak if there be ought to speak. Nay, here are men also who can think and even act. Candor will say of this ill-fated first French parliament that it wanted not its modicum of talent, its modicum of honesty, that it neither in the one respect nor in the other sank below the average of parliaments but rose above the average. Let average parliaments, whom the world does not guillotine and cast forth to long infamy, be thankful not to themselves but to their stars. France, as we say, has once more done what it could Fervid men have come together from wide separation for strange issues. Fiery Max Enard is come from the utmost southeast. Fiery Claude Fauchet, Tidium Fauchet, Bishop of Calvados, from the utmost northwest. No Mirabeau now sits here who had swallowed formulas. Our only Mirabeau now is Danton, working as yet out of doors, whom some call Mirabeau of the Sanscolotte. Nevertheless, we have our gifts, especially of speech and logic. An eloquent verneur we have, most mellifluous yet most impetuous of public speakers, from the region named Gironde of the Gironde, a man unfortunately of indolent habits, who will sit playing with your children when he ought to be scheming and perorating. Sharp, bustling guarde, considerate grave Sanson, kind, sparkling, mirthful young Ducot, Valaise, doomed to a sad end, all these likewise are of that Gironde or Bordeaux region, men of fervid constitutional principles, of quick talent, irrefragible logic, clear respectability, who will have the reign of liberty establish itself, but only by respectable methods, round whom others of like temper will gather, known by and by as Girondins, to the sorrowing wonder of the world. Of which sort, note Condorcet, Marquis and philosopher, who has worked at much, at Paris Municipal Constitution, Differential Calculus, Newspaper Chronique de Paris, Biography, Philosophy, and now sits here as two years Senator, a notable Condorcet, with stoical Roman face and fiery heart, volcano hid under snow, styled likewise in irreverent language, Mouton and Rage, peaceablest of creatures, bitten rabid. Or note, lastly, Jean-Pierre Brissot, whom destiny, long working noisily with him, has hurled hither, say, to have done with him. A biennial senator he too, nay, for the present the king of such, 
restless, scheming, scribbling Briso, who took to himself the style de Valville, heralds know not in the least why, unless it were that the father of him did, in an unexceptionable manner, perform cookery and vintnery in the village of Waville, a man of the windmill species that grinds always, turning towards all winds, not in the steadiest manner. In all these men there is talent, faculty to work, and they will do it, working and shaping, not without effect, though, alas, not in marble, only in quicksand. But the highest faculty of them all remains yet to be mentioned, or indeed has yet to unfold itself for mention. Captain Hippolyte Carnot, sent hither from the Pas de Calais with his cold mathematical head and silent stubbornness of will, Iron Carno, far-planning, imperturbable, unconquerable, who in the hour of need shall not be found wanting. His hair is yet black, and it shall grow grey, under many kinds of fortune, bright and troublous, and with iron aspect this man shall face them all. Nor is Côté d'Oie and band of king's friends wanting. Vaublanc, Dumas, Joncourt, the honoured chevalier, who love liberty yet with monarchy over it, and speak fearlessly according to that faith, whom the thick-coming hurricanes will sweep away. With them let a new military Théodore Lameth be named, were it only for his two brothers' sake, who look down on him approvingly there from the old constituents' gallery. Frothy, professing pastore, honey-mouthed, conciliatory lamourettes, and speechless, nameless individuals sit plentiful as moderates in the middle. Still less is a cote gauche wanting, extreme left sitting on the topmost benches, as if aloft on its speculatory height or mountain, which will become a practical fulminatory height and make the name of mountain famous infamous to all times and lands. Honour waits not on this mountain, nor as yet even loud dishonour. Gifts it boasts not, nor graces of speaking or of thinking, solely this one gift of assured faith, of audacity that will defy the earth and the heavens. Foremost here are the Cordelia trio, hot Merlin from Thionville, hot Bazir attorneys both, Chabot, disfrocked Capuchin, skilful Lenaggio. Loya Lacroix, who wore once as subaltern the single epaulette, has loud lungs and a hungry heart. There too is Couton, little dreaming what he is, whom a sad chance has paralysed in the lower extremities. For it seems he sat once a whole night, not warm, in his true love's bower, who indeed was by law another's, but sunken to the middle in a cold peat bog, being hunted out, quaking for his life in the cold, quaking morass, and goes now on crutches to the end. Gambon, likewise, in whom slumbers undeveloped such a finance talent for printing of assignats, father of paper money, who in the hour of menace shall utter this stern sentence, War to the manor-house, peace to the hut, guerre au chateau, pay au chaumier. Le Cointre, the intrepid draper of Versailles, is welcome here, known since the opera repast, an insurrection of women. Turio, too, Elector Turio, who stood in the embrasure of the Bastille and saw Saint Antoine rising in mass, who has many other things to see. Last and grimmest of all, note old Rule, with his brown, dusky face and long white hair, of Alsatian Lutheran breed, a man whom age and book-learning have not taught, 
who haranguing the old men of Reem shall hold up the sacred Ampulla, heaven sent, wherefrom Clovis and all kings have been anointed as a mere worthless oil bottle and dash it to sherds on the pavement there. Who, alas, shall dash much to sherds and finally his own wild head by pistol shot and so ended. Such lava welters red-hot in the bowels of this mountain, unknown to the world and to itself. A mere commonplace mountain hitherto, distinguished from the plain chiefly by its superior barrenness, its boldness of look, at the utmost it may, to the most observant, perceptibly smoke. For as yet all lies so solid, peaceable, and doubts not, as was said, that it will endure while time runs. Do not all love liberty and the constitution? All heartily, and yet with degrees. Some, as Chevalier Jocourt and his right side, may love liberty less than royalty were the trial made. Others, as Brissot and his left side, may love it more than royalty. Nay, again, of these latter, some may love liberty more than law itself, others not more. Parties will unfold themselves, no mortal as yet knows how. Forces work within these men and without. Dissidence grows opposition, ever widening, waxing into incompatibility and internecine feud, till the strong is abolished by a stronger, himself in his turn by a strong guest. Who can help it? Jocour and his monarchists, Foyons, or moderates Brissot and his Brissotin, Jacobins or Girondins, these were the Cordelia trio, and all men must work what is appointed them, and in the way appointed them. And to think what fate these poor 745 are assembled most unwittingly to meet. Let no heart be so hard as not to pity them. Their soul's wish was to live and work as the first of the French parliaments, and make the constitution march. Did they not, at their very instalment, go through the most affecting constitutional ceremony, almost with tears? The twelve eldest are sent solemnly to fetch the constitution itself, the printed book of the law. Archivist Camus, an old constituent appointed archivist, he and the ancient twelve, amid blare of military pomp and clangour, enter bearing the divine book and President and all legislative senators laying their hand on the same, successively take the oath, with cheers and heart effusion, universal three times three. In this manner they begin their session. Unhappy mortals! For that same day His Majesty, having received their deputation of welcome, as seemed rather dryly, the deputation cannot but feel slighted, cannot but lament such slight, and thereupon our cheering, swearing First Parliament sees itself on the morrow obliged to explode into fierce retaliatory sputter of anti-royal enactment as to how they, for their part, will receive Majesty, and how Majesty shall not be called Sire any more, except they please, and then on the following day to recall this enactment of theirs as too hasty and a mere sputter, though not unprovoked. An effervescent, well-intentioned set of senators, too combustible, where continual sparks are flying. Their history is a series of sputters and quarrels, true desire to do their function, fatal impossibility to do it. 
denunciations, reprimandings of kings, ministers, of traitors supposed and real, hot rage and fulmination against fulminating emigrants, terror of Austrian Kaiser, of Austrian committee and the Tuileries itself, rage and haunting terror, haste and dim desperate bewilderment. Haste, we say, and yet the Constitution had provided against haste. No bill can be passed till it had been printed, till it had been thrice read, with intervals of eight days, unless the Assembly shall beforehand decree that there is urgency. Which, accordingly, the Assembly, scrupulous of the Constitution, never omits to do. Considering this, and also considering that, and then that other, the Assembly decrees always qu'il y a urgence, and thereupon the Assembly, having decreed that there is urgence, is free to decree what indispensable, distracted thing seems best to it. Two thousand and odd decrees, as men reckon, within eleven months. The haste of the constituents seemed great, but this is treble quick. For the time itself is rushing, treble quick, and they have to keep pace with that. Unhappy 745, true patriotic, but so combustible, being fired they must needs fling fire. Senate of touchwood and rockets in a world of smoke-storm, with sparks wind-driven continually flying. Or think, on the other hand, looking forward some months, of that scene they call Bessier de la Morette. The dangers of the country are now grown imminent, immeasurable. National Assembly, hope of France, is divided against itself. In such extreme circumstances, honeymouthed Abbe Lamourette, new Bishop of Lyon, rises, whose name, Lamourette, signifies the sweetheart, or Delilah Doxy. He rises and, with pathetic, honeyed eloquence, calls on all august senators to forget mutual griefs and grudges, to swear a new oath and unite as brothers. Whereupon they all, with vivats, embrace and swear, left side confounding itself with right, barren mountain rushing down to fruitful plain, pastoray into the arms of Condorcet, injured to the breast of injurer, with tears, and all swearing that whosoever wishes either fouillant two-chamber monarchy or extreme Jacobin republic or anything but the constitution and that only shall be anathema marathena. Touching to behold. For literally on the morrow morning they must again quarrel, driven by fate, and their sublime reconcilement is called derisively Baisse de la Morette, or Delilah Kiss. Like fated Etiocles Polynices' brothers, embracing though in vain, weeping that they must not love, that they must hate only and die by each other's hands. Or say, like doomed familiar spirits ordered by art magic under penalties to do a harder than twist ropes of sand to make the constitution march if the constitution would but march alas the constitution will not stir it falls on its face they tremblingly lift it on end again march thou gold constitution the constitution will not march he shall march by said kind Uncle Toby, and even swore. The corporal answered mournfully, he will never march in this world. A constitution, as we often say, will march when it images, if not the old habits and beliefs of the constituted, then accurately their rights, or better indeed their mights. For these two, well understood, are they not one and the same? 
The old habits of France are gone. Her new rights and mights are not yet ascertained, except in paper theorem, nor can be in any sort till she have tried, till she have measured herself in fell death-grip, and were it in utmost preternatural spasm of madness, with principalities and powers, with the upper and the under, internal and external, with the earth and Tophet and the very heaven. Then will she know, Three things bode ill for the marching of this French constitution, the French people, the French king, thirdly, the French noblesse and an assembled European world. End of Book 5, Chapter 2